I really like to challenge the idea of what on brand is because I think that mm. people get so caught up on that. And again, speaking as like a super Leo, like I'm always thinking about image. <laughs> I'm always thinking about presentation. <laughs> and like, it's funny the way that some people describe me, you know, when they're like, there's Christina with her red lipstick and her hair done. And, you know, it's like, that's how I showed up in the world all the time, especially pre-pandemic when I had places to go. So it's funny, even as somebody who thinks a lot about image and how I show up in the world and how I'm perceived, I think that I have, especially over the last year, let go of this idea of narrowing my being. Like, it's so hard to just like box yourself into a niche, which is what a lot of the social media culture is like, where it's like, I have to be a niche. I have to be on brand. I have to do all these things so that I could, I don't know, grow a following or sell products or, or whatever it is that someone has a goal about. But I think you should also honor that the fact that you are like a whole human being that has so many different facets of you. And just like I can do a tutorial on how to do winged liner, like I can also talk about very deep issues <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and those things can exist at the same time and it's okay. <laughs> Welcome to Cosmic Rx Radio, a podcast that gives you real-life tools of spiritual empowerment and pure hype. I'm your host and intuitive guide, Maddie Murphy. I'll be serving up your weekly energy readings, cosmic boss interviews, and astro inspiration. Are you ready to love yourself more, manifest your dream life, and own your magic? Let's jump in. Okay. Hello, all my Cosmic Cuties. Welcome to the podcast. We are so excited to have on Cosmic Rx Radio today, a true powerhouse, I will say. Christina Rodolfo is a multimedia journalist who specializes in beauty reporting. Currently, she is the beauty director, NBD of Women's Health, overseeing coverage across both print and digital. Prior to that, she was a senior beauty editor at Elle and the beauty editor at Pop Sugar. And she has had her writing featured all over the place from In Style, Harper's Bazaar, into the Gloss, Stylecaster, you name it. And she also, very casually again, reported and co-produced the Webby Award-nominated documentary, Beat How Drag Queens Shape the Beauty Industry. So she is clearly, as you can tell, the embodiment of a true beauty goddess, well-educated not only in the different products to help you take care of yourself from the inside out, but she also uses her powers of intuition to forecast trends for us, and maybe most importantly, uses her heart and her large platform to lift up and amplify women of color in the beauty space and is an ongoing advocate for more representation in beauty and media. And boy, do we need that. She also most recently founded, can you believe that I said powerhouse? She also most recently founded Donate Beauty, which rallied the beauty industry to provide hundreds of thousands of personal care products to frontline healthcare workers and has been inspiring me personally of how she's been using her voice lately to speak up and speak out against hate and racism in the AAPI community. A true champion for the intersection of beauty, identity, and culture. She is a quadruple Leo. Yes, we'll get to that. And a true cosmic change maker using her voice and platform to bring a little bit more beauty to our everyday. And I'm so excited to have her here. So hi. Hi, thank you so much for that wonderful, kind introduction. You have hyped me up so much. (laughs) 
That's what we're here for. So why don't you say hi to everyone and introduce yourself through your own words and a little bit about what you do. Sure. Hey, listeners. My name is Christina Rodolfo. I've been a journalist for well over a decade now, and I am just most passionate about talking about beauty in a way that you don't expect. So thinking about it from a social and cultural lens, what's happening in the world politically, what trends are saying about the world that we live in today. I'm also very invested in talking about mental health specifically and have reported a lot of beauty stories from the mental health angle because I'm passionate about destigmatizing, talking about mental health. And I think that it is a huge part of people's wellness journeys that sometimes doesn't get as much spotlight as, you know, working out and eating healthy does. So I think that it's the most important thing that you can do for yourself. So I'm very passionate about talking about that and how that all plays into our idea of beauty. Mm -hmm. I'm just, do you see why I like love her cosmic crush? I'm just These are all the things that I'm always like, why aren't more people? I mean, I'm not, you know, my beauty routine, my beauty, you know, even like what I could speak on in beauty is very limited, but I'm always like, I love the beauty world for what it represents in terms of taking care of ourselves, ritual, like, you know, feeling good, feeling confident. But I was always like, I feel like there's so many other like stories to be told beyond like the best skinny jeans for your butt totally. or the best like eye cream. I'm like, there's so much more. So I love that you're weaving in so much of this. I'm just really grateful to be in a position where I can explore stories in a deeper way, because obviously when you start out in the industry, you you are writing about skinny jeans and writing about, you know, the best mascaras. And I still love those stories too, because who doesn't love to find great products out there that make your life easier or make you, you know, give you a way to express yourself. So not to knock those kinds of stories, but I don't take my responsibility lightly in terms of being a storyteller, a journalist or reporter. So I, yeah, I'm just very happy to be able to have a platform that I can help influence people with. And I'm constantly churning ideas. Oh, I love that so much. And yeah, there's always a spectrum. I'm like, hello, I also do need those articles about like the 10 best eye creams. Um, it's, <laughs> it's like astrology. It's like we can use it for like silly, fluffy horoscopes and like compatibility through a crush. Or totally. you could be like, oh, I have to figure out my childhood trauma with this. Okay, cool. Like it's like, it's all the spectrum. So yes. I totally, totally appreciate that. Um, and I tend to be very extreme. Like I'm, I'm either or like, I'm. it's either we're going to go extremely deep and like dive right in, or it's going to be, you know, let's talk about this lip gloss I'm obsessed with. <laughs> I think that's probably why I like resonated with you from afar because like <laughs> your Instagram, I actually like left your Instagram like TV. I was watching one and we'll talk about it in a moment, but it kind of just like flipped to the next one automatically. And then you went from talking about this like super profound, I was crying. It was like very emotional. And then you're like, and now I'm going to show you like how to do this like beauty thing. And I was like, oh, okay, fun. Like, I was like, this is my kind of lady. Like we're just bouncing <laughs> from the deep, deep end to then like playing around and the fun, like sparkly shallow. And I think that's like such a beautiful testament to like you and being able to do both of those things. And, and it's important. So tell me a little bit, because I think what you do is so fascinating. And so many people listening and you're like, wait, what, how did, how did she get there? You know, <laughs> when did this spark to, you know, write or to be in the beauty, or, uh, you obviously did a lot of writing and journalism before beauty, but where would you say like your journey began, so to speak? 
I have always been a very ambitious person from a very young age. You know, I would always enter contests like writing contests and poetry contests and all those things from even when I was, I would say, seven years old, eight years old. So I always knew I wanted to be a writer. It was a talent that was recognized in me by my second grade teacher. And, Mm. you know, I felt like that led me on a path to wanting to figure out how to make writing a living. And I toyed with so many ideas, obviously loved reading novels and wondering how to become, you know, the next like JK Rowling or, you know, you know, I was like, how do I write Harry Potter, you know? But I think that that led me to eventually discovering journalism and realizing, you know, my dad every day would read the newspaper front to back, like every single article. And this is why he's the most smartest person that I know. But like witnessing that and seeing how much he loved the news and then also being given a project where I had to interview someone who had the job that I wanted. I met up with a journalist who was a journalist at a local publication. And I think she was like my mom's cousin's daughter. Like, I'm not really sure what the connection was, but she helped me out. And she told me what it was like to be a journalist. And I realized it's a job that I could have a lot of creativity, but then also have a stability because you are showing up to an office. It is a nine to five. And I also loved that it would just give you the chance to step into so many people's shoes. You know, like I'm an extremely curious person. I am also extremely talkative. So I think that, you know, all those things combined set me on the right path. And junior year of my high school, I went to a summer program at Barnard College and I ended up visiting the offices of Nylon Magazine. And there I met some editors and I saw the fashion closet and I saw everyone working at their desks. And I was like, oh my God, this is it. This is it for me. I'm going to be a magazine editor. And I wrote for the high school paper, the college paper, and interned every single semester of college and summers as well when I was at NYU. And I kind of just kept working toward this dream. I I think back and I'm like in awe of my determination because these days it's like I can like write one email and I'm like accomplished for the day. (laughs) But, um, you know, (laughs) thinking back then and, and just like how much drive and fire I had. I'm still ambitious and very much in this way, but just thinking about myself at 18 years old and just like really determined to to be where I am now, it's sometimes I look back and I'm like, oh, wow. Like she was both naive and also admirable. Wow. I love that. I'm already also like sneaking over to your chart because I'm like, yes, yes, yes. Everything you are saying <laughs> is like textbook locking in and you have a lot of stuff opposite of what I have and I'm like I wish I had that like I was like oh you're my age at that time I was just like oh like I think I like spirituality but like I don't know how to like make money off of it so I was just like floating around I'm like oh that fire so good I I love hearing that that self-awareness first of all we'll talk about that in your chart and I was listening to a podcast with you on it and I think you talked about just like applying for a job but not just using like the regular email you were like finding the emails of the people personally and yes. hammering them out. And I was like, this is this tenacity and this perseverance. Like this woman oh, is going to accomplish anything she wants. <laughs> like get out of the way. Tenacity is the right word. And, and, you know, I've definitely used my internet stalking skills, not just to like get an interview for a job, but also for like my girlfriend's crushes. Like all I need is a name, not even a name sometimes. I just need a location. Where did you see him? And a lot of times I'm able to just like find out everything about them. I was like, just give me a night. I'll I'll give you a report back. <laughs> I live for that. And everyone, God bless everyone needs a friend like that. 
That's so cool. And I see that you grew up in Queens. I did. That's where I was born and my family is from. So oh my gosh. yay, Queens. There is something to, I think another reason, you know, I always try to understand why I resonate with someone because a lot of people I don't resonate with. So I'm like, I like your hard work, your drive, your the way you take up space, the way you balance some really heavy things, but then also like beauty and and you know, ritual and all these like fun topics we just mentioned. But the realness, you're very real. And I think for better or worse, New Yorkers keep it real, especially yes. like Queens. Like this is true. It's real New York. It's real New York. And I can't tell you the number of TikToks that I, cause like I can fall into a TikTok, you know, scroll oh for three hours, Vortex. but uh, the number of TikToks that I weirdly get targeted for, like, here's my day in New York city and it's super aesthetic and like also expensive. I'm like, huh, this doesn't feel like the New York that I know, <laughs> you know, as an outer borough kid. Growing up in like a very diverse neighborhood, very tight knit neighborhood, I think about that a lot. And I've been reflecting on it a lot lately too, just like my upbringing, because as you know, we were talking about the Stop Asian Hate movement. I've been thinking about my surroundings and how I grew up. And I was very lucky to grow up in a place where I never felt othered. Like I was Mm. constantly surrounded by a strong Filipino community, like my Mm. family, strong Asian American community and strong other communities. You know, like I I think that I just never felt that awareness of what is so-called different about me until I went to college, honestly. (laughs) That's like, Mm. I felt like I was, I was cocooned in this Mm. world that as I grew up, realized it's not how the rest of the country looks like. And you like. went to NYU, right? And I went to NYU, So we're talking yes. about like over the next borough and it was just like different, a world of difference. It was a huge like, difference. Just also the wealth that was present because obviously NYU tends to attract a lot of people who have a lot of money, you know, and, uh, and have the option to attend a school that is exorbitantly expensive because they have that parental support or they're an international student. They don't qualify for aid from the government. So they're literally paying out of pocket. So this is the kind of people that I was surrounded with. And as a girl in like Jamaica, Queens, commuting back and forth and not dorming because it would be $18,000 a year extra, I felt out of place a lot of times, but tried to find, you know, tried to create my home where I could find it. Mm, That's a really beautiful, I think something a lot of people can relate to going somewhere and not feeling like you belong. And like Mm -hmm. how, you know, back to the mental health discussion, the Mm -hmm. times in my life where I felt like I didn't belong were the times my mental health was so negatively impacted because it pulls you deeper and deeper into like isolation too, or feeling like, am I, do I not belong? Something wrong with me? Am I the only person who's ever gone through this or felt this thing right now? Yes. Really get like caught in that like dark, churning waters of that. So it is interesting to hear that because looking at you now, you are like what I dreamed of being when I grew up in I'm gonna be oh. city it girl. Like working in a magazine. <laughs> uh-huh. Like it's so you know, funny like- to hear that. <laughs> it's funny to hear that because uh, you know obviously Instagram is is very much a mirage, you know, and like I love to put aspirational fun things on there because it's honestly so ridiculous sometimes the things that I had access to pre-pandemic, you know, where I was being flown to Tuscany and on like first class and and, like living in a villa on the hills and the experiences that I've had because of my job, I think I've been forever grateful for them. But also I think because of where I grew up and how I grew up, I have never become jaded or like lost that gratitude that I feel like constantly because my parents are immigrants, because They Mm. have sacrificed so much to come to this country and to pursue what they thought was the American dream. So I think when I am, you know, at a rooftop cocktail party or like going to a a dinner at the Met, 
when it's closed at night, you know, or, you know, being flown on a helicopter to Montauk or something. Like, I, I feel like those things that people in my industry get used to and even get, get used to to the point that they get jaded about it. I'm constantly like excited to be here. <laughs> That's like I my MO. I love that energy. That's the energy we want. It's like, oh, this helicopter is taking us to Montauk. Like, oh, not the better one. And you're just like, guys, <laughs> we're in a helicopter. Look. Literally. And it's made me, it's, it's made me so, like at times I feel uncool, but over time I've gotten, I've gotten over that. You know, there's nothing wrong with being earnest and like being excited about the things that you're excited about. And like, I'm constantly like, ooh, ah. It's so refreshing. And that's, you know, we'll talk about your triple Leo, but Leo has so many parts of the archetype. But one of the like shamanic soul based archetypes of Leo is the like forever playful child. Yes. But we need that. Yes. What I was saying before, like you can talk about serious things, but then also we're all at once. We're serious and we're silly and we can be, you know, sophisticated and mature and intelligent and grow up and do cool things. But we should still be like, oh my God, we're really here. Like we're getting do these amazing <laughs> things that I dreamed of. And especially for you, like, can't even imagine like, you know, having your parents be immigrants coming over here, wanting to make a better life for themselves and for their family. And then getting to watch you jet set to Tuscany. And like, they're just <laughs> like, wow, like that's like, that's, yes. just, that's deserving of reverence and awe and like wonder in every Thank moment. You. Thank you. I think that you articulated something that I guess I hadn't really pinpointed about why, I feel that sense of of reverence, you know, and like excitement and awe. And I guess it is because I think of where my parents grew up. My dad is from an island in the Philippines called Catanduanes. And it's a small, small community, very small community. And it's, I think the last time I went there, I don't know if they've improved transportation since, but I think it was like a four hour ferry ride to the mainland where my mom was from. And I'm just like, oh my God, my dad lives, like he would like motorcycle riding around the island and jumping in waterfalls and having races to the next island, swimming with his friends. And I look at where he came from and it's just so far from New York City, (laughs) you know, like so far, so different in culture and different in every single way. And thinking about how he raised me here and how I'm living so differently from how my parents have lived in their formative years. It's just like mind blowing to me. Like that's never not fascinating to me. (laughs) I mean, yeah, it's like a world. I just, I can't imagine. Like, I feel like. Like, I wish I was near a beach. <laughs> we're, we're like, can we work this hard to get back to that? No. <laughs> no, but that's, that's really powerful. And I love, I just love hearing you speak about like, you know, being Filipino American. What, is there something about your culture that like you love or has really helped get you where you are? Or just thought you like, I want the world to know this about the Filipino culture, because like, even that story, I'm like, I've never heard of that island. I'm like, teach me more, teach me more. And that community that you illustrated growing up in Queens. Yeah. It sounds so like nourishing or I can see in you, like, the, way you the way you light up when you talk nourishing, about it. Nourishing is an excellent word for Filipino culture. I, I would say another thing is hospitality, you know, connection. I think that there's just this inherent desire to want to make others happy. It's like a selflessness, you know, like want Mm -hmm. to make others happy, want to welcome others. I remember when I visited my dad's home um, at the time, it was something called a fiesta. 
And a fiesta is when, you know, the Philippines is very Catholic, heavy country, and every town has a patron saint. So when it's the patron saint's day, they literally, it's all open doors. Like I I, you, you could like not know your neighbor. It's so different from, from New York City. But, you know, I remember people walking into the house and they were just the neighbors. And when they walk into the house, then you're welcomed with a meal. And so everybody cooks in these giant batches of food because they're just prepared for the entire neighborhood to come through because it's all open doors. And this is just like such a good example of like what Filipino culture is. It's really about taking care of each other and Mm. nourishing each other. And even to this day, as someone who grew up in the States, like I didn't grow up in the Philippines at all. I visited a few times growing up, but I connect so strongly to other people who are from my same background because we have that shared knowledge, you know, that shared Mm. mutual respect and selflessness, I guess, that we want to share with each other, where we want to always lift each other up, whether it's like in your career or if it's helping you out with finding a realtor or, you know, Mm. helping you out with recommendations for restaurants in the neighborhood. And, you know, I, I feel that connection immediately with somebody else who's Filipino. Oh, that's so beautiful. It's, I I think, especially, you know, in the West, in the US, we become such an individual society. Yes, that's a huge difference. Yes. And my fate, you can't, no one can see me in the podcast, but I'm (laughs) rubbing my eyes, rolling them. And that's, I mean, I don't want to like pit all of our issues. We have a lot of issues in our society, but I think one of them is just how individual we are. And this like story mm-hmm. that we have to go it alone, everyone has to pull themselves up by their bootstraps. And it's like me, what do I have? And even self-care sometimes it goes so far, everything is so far into the self. Mm-hmm. But what you're talking about is something that I've been really trying to explore the concept of the past two years of like community care. Like yeah. what does that look like? Like how growing up in a place or just knowing you have that or knowing that you can go anywhere in the world and meet someone who's Filipino and you know you share these values and these Mm -hmm. ideals and there's Mm -hmm. a certain I see you because I think this whole individual society is like we just feel a little invisible too yeah we have all the things but we're invisible yeah this is something that's also wild to me when you know I got engaged recently so I'm going to be in the throes of planning a wedding soon which is very exciting but I even think about cultural differences when it comes to like western ideas of like regarding payment for example like in Filipino culture if you're the one who's getting married you're the one who's providing everything and like if I have bridesmaids, I would be paying for their dresses. I would be paying for their hair and makeup. I'd be, you know what I mean? It's not even a question. And when I talk to other people, it's very different here. (laughs) You know, it's very different where it's like, oh God, I was asked to be a bridesmaid, like FML, because I'm going to have to be spending like $5,000. And I was like, what do you mean? Because for me, when I think about like whoever I'm going to choose to be my bridesmaid, I consider it like I'm honored to be their friend. And I, you know, I'm so happy that they're sharing this moment with me. I'm grateful to them. Them, I would at least pay for their bridesmaids dresses because they because I asked them to do this and they will you know they're here for me so it's thinking like that that it's just so funny to me because it's so inherent and natural to me to think that way or even if it's my birthday and I'm you know I'm inviting people for drinks like I'd be the one who's like covering the tab because I invited people to come and it's been a very interesting thing to navigate especially as I get older and you know people are getting married or you're celebrating it's just very different cultural experiences. <laughs> yeah. Also, that sounds amazing. Also, but again, it's the, I can really feel that the selfless, the sharing, the generous, and it does make it a little bit more like ceremonial, ritual, celebratory versus like, oh, I'm in another wedding. Oh, God, I'm have to like, <laughs> and that's so amazing. I love hearing that. I, I never knew. I'm like, also, next time I meet a Filipino person, like, I'm gonna be like, can I do something for you? Because I feel like you're probably doing a lot for other people. Oh. <laughs> 
So I guess like shifting gears kind of along the same line, I did want to talk about, I watched your most recent Instagram live you did Mm -hmm. right after the shootings in Atlanta, um, the hate crime in Atlanta. And I was just on your page because I was like, oh, like checking stuff out before the podcast and like Mm -hmm. going back to just how cute you are and all the stuff you talk about. And I just wanted to refresh myself. And I was moving out of my apartment in New York City. So I'm like sweaty and dusty. And I just was stopped in my tracks by your vulnerability wow. and your authenticity. Like I was, I was crying and I, I was like a lot, I'm actually going to cry thinking about it a little oh. bit. Most importantly, Leo's are ruled by the heart and like your spine. And it's really about, so like, much standing <laughs> tall in that. Like you can't, like you can't cower in that. Like mm-hmm. a Leo needs to like be in the heart center and like shoulders back and like head mm-hmm. tall and really is this like, everyone says like, oh, Leo's left the spotlight. But I'm like, no, it's like they radiate their own light from their courage, their ability wow. to live from their heart. Like that's where the real I love that. courage. Thank you and for then, saying that. <laughs> and you give permission for other people to find their light and to live in that. And sometimes your light becomes their spotlight while they find their own. Mm-hmm. It's like, there's a, a warmth, but a power. And, you know, I think everyone in the Zodiac gets a bad rap sometimes, whether you're a Scorpio or Gemini or Virgo, mm-hmm. like myself. And in that moment, I was like, this is why I want to talk to her. This is a Leo moment of like, that is living in your heart. This is not like pre-planned, pre-scripted. Mm-hmm. This is something in her heart that needs to come out. And it's like moving me so much. So I just wanted to ask you a little bit about, you know, what was going through your head in that moment. Because that's that's a brave thing to do sure. that. Sure. It's probably the most vulnerable thing that I've ever done publicly. You know, I... In true Leo fashion, like I like to keep up appearances. I like to, you know, keep somewhat of a distance from, you know, what the public has access to in terms of my emotions. And I firmly believe that you shouldn't process everything publicly until you've done it, done the work with yourself. Mm -hmm. I have to talk to my therapist before I talk to the thousands of people who are tuning into this. You know, I, I think that that's very important so that you don't kind of cloud your judgment or anything. But I think in that moment when I made that video, I was just very... I was moved emotionally because I felt so triggered by the the way that I went through the motions of that day where I just decided, you know, I read tragic news about people being murdered and then I just got ready for work. I put on my eyeliner and lipstick and I signed on to a Zoom and while like while I was camera off, I couldn't stop crying and I was just trying to unpack why is it that this time around I can't swallow it? I can't just keep it in and I can't just look happy and participate in small talk and and work. And I think because I had been so, it didn't start with what happened in Atlanta. It's been happening for generations, if we want to talk about anti-Asian racism in America. Mm -hmm. But most recently, I would say the last couple of months have been a big turning point for organizing within the Asian American community, just because of the increased you know, level of hate crimes, particularly to elderly people in our community and of, of all different Asian backgrounds, you know, Filipino, Thai, Chinese, like it's it's all of us. And even though our cultures are extremely different, I think we all feel it because in the eyes of the US, we are the same. You know, like there's this idea that Asians are a monolith. Asians are, you know, I'll always bring up the idea of the model minority myth because I think that it has 
truly damaged the perception of Asian Americans in the U.S., you know, and it, it all started in like the 60s with the Immigration Act. I'm not going to get into a huge like history lesson here, but basically the idea is that there was this public perception, an idea sold to the public that Asians are successful. They have been able to work past the prejudice and, you know, close the wage gap with white people. And while those things might have been true, the issue with that is that this idea was used to bring down other BIPOC communities and to kind of use Asian people as like a weapon, almost like they're successful, then like there must be something wrong with you. It just perpetuates like white supremacy, you know? So, so I think that having dealt with that my entire life and having also not been sure how to respond, I think that it was all just bubbling up inside of me. And a lot of like, life trauma was just coming to the surface. And I was like, okay, I need to say something because I cannot take this anymore. And I also cannot handle people who are just, you know, able to work like a regular day. Like I was getting emails, you know, Mm -hmm. I was getting uh, Mm -hmm. lots of content. I was scrolling through Instagram and it was just like another day. And I was, Mm -hmm. and I did not feel like it was another day. So I wanted to draw attention to that, raise awareness. And I was very nervous too. But, you know, as you said about light, I think what shocked me the most about the reception to that video was that I got so many messages from people who told me that watching it empowered them to also speak out themselves when they hadn't before. And that was the best thing that I could have ever asked for, you know, is that is that not only raising awareness, but also pushing other people to feel confident enough to speak out as well, if, if they might have been scared, because I think that everyone gets caught up in this idea of wanting to be perfect, especially online. And that video of me was definitely not perfect. Like I literally have snot like coming down my nose. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, and, and I didn't care because I just, I, that's, that's how I was emoting and that was fine. But I think that it was very uh, liberating for me in terms of just showing people who I really am. Oh my God, that everything you just said <laughs> has so much meat in it that I'm very excited for people to chew on and digest everything from the history that it didn't start in this moment. It didn't start this year. Mm -mm. This extreme racism, hate violence against our Asian communities. Like, and you know, and I will even, I'm always that first person to like put myself on blast where I'm like, yeah, like I think it took me over the past few years to realize that outside of my own bubble And then to realize like that model minority myth, like is really weaponized. It's a tool of white supremacy. And it's Mm -hmm. like such thing like, well, of course, like, look, why can't you figure out this broken ass system that's built against you? Like, and it's just the layers and the levels of the microaggressions and Mm -hmm. everything like, but then also it's almost like a gaslighting collectively. It is. Asian American people, because at once you're saying there's no racism here. And then there's like, big racism and violence that's so scary and then there's like fetishization Fetishization. and then there's like uh, just like everything around you people in movies and then you have people also monetizing making money off of Mm -hmm. like appropriating Mm -hmm. like culturally from asian cultures and you're like again like how i feel when i talk to like my black friends families community members i'm like how have you all not lost it sooner on us (laughs) white people right and that that bubbling up that feeling that's what i'm you know grateful for these moments of like no more like bubbling up to the surface we have to say something do something and you showing up so raw and real like that is 
I'm like, oh, that's what I just want more of on social media. Like, I think we're all over <laughs> like the curated, perfect thing. And I'm over it for sure. Be fun, but I'm like, I don't care. Okay, we get it. We all can like copy and paste picture from Pinterest, go to Boss Babe, like, you know, color brand, color thing from Etsy and yes. make a perfect Instagram feed. Like, <laughs> it's not even hard to do anymore. What's hard to do is show up as yourself in every moment to emote. I like the preface though, the little side fine print of like first talk to your therapist, which is really great advice actually. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's so important. People can be really inflammatory on social media and like Sometimes I'm just like, you need to talk to your therapist first, like before you post. Like, I don't. You literally nailed down something that I couldn't (laughs) articulate for all of 2020. I'm like, no, great. Yes. Use your voice. Yes. Like opinions. Yes. But like, maybe talk this out with a mental health professional first. (laughs) So you could like clarify, get something. Yes. Yes. The like, you know, the crazy horned energy off and then come clear and like free of those projections and in a space of awareness all of that. And I just, I've actually went on a really big unfollowing sphere. I mean, before, even before COVID like it mm-hmm. started and then it really ramped up, you know, with like the second wave of the Black Lives Matter movement and then it really mm-hmm. ramped up around the election, unfollowing people who just don't talk about, I'm like, if you're just carrying on like business as usual, then like, I don't even want to be part of your business of even if it's just a follower, because how, like, how can mm-hmm. you just sit in a space? I get it's complicated and it's hard, but I think that's what you were modeling too, is like, just show up. It can be messy. It could be real. It could be authentic. Like I always mess up when I talk. I'm like, I'm really here to talk about something hard today. I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm crying. I'm stammering. But it's like just, just showing up. And I think you did that really beautifully. I really like to challenge the idea of what on brand is because I think that people mm. get so caught up on that. And again, speaking as like a super Leo, like I'm always thinking about image. <laughs> I'm always thinking about presentation. <laughs> and like, it's funny the way that some people describe me, you know, when they're like, there's Christina with her red lipstick and her hair done. And, you know, it's like, that's how I showed up in the world all the time, especially pre-pandemic when I had places to go. So it's funny, even as somebody who thinks a lot about image and how I show up in the world and how I'm perceived, I think that I have, especially over the last year, let go of this idea of narrowing my being. Like, it's so hard to just like box yourself into a niche, which is what a lot of the social media culture is like, where it's like, I have to be a niche. I have to be on brand. I have to do all these things so that I could, I don't know, grow a following or sell products or, or whatever it is that someone has a goal about. But I think that you should also honor that the fact that you are like a whole human being that has so many different facets of you. And just like I can do a tutorial on how to do winged liner, like I can also talk about very deep issues <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and those things can exist at the same time and it's okay. <laughs> right. And exactly. We can all coexist. And you're also then reaching and using your platform and your voice because maybe someone who needs to hear that is like a teenager who's actually wants to have really killer winged eyeliner out <laughs> their night out. Right. And they're not the one actively, well, who am I kidding? Teenagers. Yeah. Right. Gen Z, they're way ahead of us. But someone being like, oh, I just want to find this like beauty tip. And then they like trust you. They like your voice. And then you tell them something that maybe they wouldn't have heard through the same lens. And it just shifts them. And it creates all this little ripple effect, right? Of change. Yeah, that's so, the hope. Yeah. That's the hope. I love that. And is there anything like, you know, we'll move on from this in a moment, but I just want to ask you, is there anything that you would want like an aspiring ally to either know about this moment or uh, something that they can help or something that you feel like is a something you just want people like myself or her trying to show up? Oh, I could talk for hours about this. Um, but I, I would say that the number one thing that you can do is hold yourself accountable to do the work and make it consistent and to and to self-educate, you know, and there's so many resources out there in terms of what to read or what to watch or things to do. But I think that that it has to start with you wanting to 
do better and to be better. You know, you can't really syllabus this away uh, unless you're actually committed to changing yourself and the way that you interact with others in your daily life. So I would first like take stock of your own biases. Like I think that's super important because whether you're aware of it or not, they exist and they have been dictated by media, dictated by your environment or the community that you grew up in. And I think that like take accountability for how you have been a part of the problem first and then also create a plan for yourself for how you're going to change personally. Because I think that that's so much more important. Like the internal work is way more important than like, here's how to do a post on Instagram. You know, I think that's important. (laughs) Yes. Oh, so well said. I a really big question, but I think that's just really important for people to hear. So thank you for that. And now shall we dive into your birth chart? Because so many things that you're saying, I'm like, let's go. (laughs) So obviously you are like an aspiring astro nerd. I know you dabble in astrology. (laughs) Um, Have you ever had uh, an official like chart reading? No, I've I've actually was gifted a birth chart, but then I like don't know how to read it. So I was just like, here you go. So here's the super cryptic thank, map. Thank you. I'm, this, I'm so happy that, I, that I'm meeting with you because I literally had no idea what any of it meant. <laughs> I love that's a really funny like and I, whoever gave that to you so generous. Love it. But it's almost a little bit like a <laughs> gift. It's like, here you go. Have fun with this. I was like, hmm, I'm not really sure how this translates. <laughs> okay, cool. So I'll just say that one, why I love doing these readings like you know, on the podcast mm-hmm. is because my favorite thing about astrology is it teaches us how wholly unique we are. Like mm-hmm. you have superpowers you came here with, your soul has a purpose, you have so much potential to tap into. There are opportunities, obstacles, and just having the awareness that that really helps you live like to your fulfillment about your yes. soul here to do. But it also reminds us that we're so connected because we all have all 12 signs of the zodiac in mm-hmm. our chart. So no mm-hmm. sign bashing because we have every sign in our chart. <laughs> and it also allows, I think sometimes we need, you know, an archetype, a framework, a role model or someone that we're like, okay, I'm seeing them do that. Like why, you know, like you advocate mm-hmm. for representation in media. It's like, oh, that's someone like me doing something really cool. I can do that too. And in our birth chart, like there's parts of your chart that like someone listening to this is, has and like, oh, that's what my Leo is about. You know, that's why I can live that. <laughs> so before I get into it, do you have any questions in particular about something in your chart or something that you're like, what um, does something mean or something you've I'm, heard? I'm looking at my signs right now so that I just can understand this. I think it's the outer planets that I like really don't understand, but we can get into it. <laughs> we'll get into it. We'll hang out with them. <laughs> Okay, cool. Well, obviously, like I couldn't be, like, you know, worth my weight in anything as an astrologer if I didn't jump into the stellium, the four quadruple Leo um, <laughs> in your, I'm dying because I was like, yeah, the, you know, quadruple Leo, Charlotte, who introduced us told me, she's like, yes, she is Leo, Leo, Leo energy. But then when I pulled up your chart, there's so many manifestations of that energy. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, you have it in all of your personal planets. So that's really going to affect you. Like, if you had it in Jupiter or Saturn, mm-hmm. Neptune, we'd still feel it, but you have like your most personal, most driving planets of your personality, your inner yeah. world, your outer world in Leo, and they're all in your 10th house of career. So oh, wow. That's, that's okay. why I was dying thinking about you, like <laughs> ambitious Annie, like watch out world. I have like my <laughs> resume. I'm not taking no for an answer because that Leo stellium, you have sun, moon, Venus, and Mercury. That's mm-hmm. going to be, I always say your sun is like, it's your sun. It's how you shine. It's where you carry all of your like absolute brilliance in this lifetime. And it's how you can actually 
just by being yourself help a lot of people. It's like the sun, like the sun isn't, doesn't like discriminate. Everyone is fed by the sun and the sun, when we can really learn to like be in that high octave, I always say there's a high and a low, there's a light and a shadow Mm -hmm. to like every part of us. And we can also just like toggle between that on the day to day, like within the hour, sometimes Mm -hmm. I I toggle between my shadow and my light of my Virgo. But so for you, like that sun in Leo is like, okay, this is where you came here to be a Leo. That's your sun is like your assignment in this lifetime. (laughs) And luckily for you, you have like your inner world, your moon is in Leo too. And then how you speak and how you communicate is in Leo. And then Venus, how you love and what you value, what you appreciate and what brings you pleasure and how you'll make money is also in Leo, all in your 10th house of your career. What if do you I was mean how I'll make money? Uh, that's so oh, yes. That's You're interesting like, comment. Tell me more about that. So, <laughs> so I love Venus and we're going to talk about Venus in a moment because she is actually your ruling planet. So you're mm. Leo and you're connected to the sun, but truly you're a Libra rising. So your whole chart, your whole life is ruled by Venus, which wow. makes sense because Venus is beauty. <laughs> listen to this money and justice wow. <laughs> the best things in the life the best things in life i know i'm like i'm like i feel like on the day when the planets got their assignments venus got there early and got all the good ones i'm oh like wait venus how are you about like love and pleasure and like beauty and aesthetics and harmony and you're about like you know balancing this like libra specifically like balancing the scales i'm like wow like you have a lot so that even though you have a stellium of Leo, you're actually ruled by Venus. And so Mm -hmm. as an astrologer, your rising sign, we look to the planet where that is, the ruling planet, Libra rising, ruled by Venus. Whereas Mm -hmm. Venus in your chart, Venus brings us back to Leo. Everything in life is energetics. So Venus is like how we attract things and how we also know what we're worth, Mm -hmm. which is why it's the planet of like love and money, right? Mm -hmm. Because we get what we think we're worth in a relationship or in a paycheck. And that's why when you learn to do one, when you learn to boss up in the boardroom, you can boss up in the bedroom. When you learn to like, nope, that's settling for scraps at work. I can learn to not do that in my relationships too. Cause it's, mm-hmm. it's Venus is our worthiness. So oh man, I identify with this so much. Like <laughs> it's like, <laughs> oh my gosh. So, so much of like what I meditate on and think about are, has to do with worth, you know? Um, mm. And so much of what my biggest lessons in life have mm-hmm. been, have been about worth, whether it was like leaving a bad relationship or leaving a job or, you know, things like that. It's very like a powerful driving force in my life. <laughs> I think a lot of people when they're studying astrology, they're like, I kind of get the sun, I kind of get the moon, but what the right. heck is the rising sign? Mm-hmm. I'm one of and, those people. Right. So one of, I was one of those people too. <laughs> so when you look at the chart, it's like the horizon. It's like, if you're looking at a clock, it'd be like nine on the clock, right? I haven't mm-hmm. got an analog clock in a minute. So I'm like, double checking. That is where you're rising into in this lifetime. That was the Zodiac sign on the horizon line. Mm -hmm. And so it's going to be, it's actually like one of the biggest indicators for you of like what motivates you? What are the Mm -hmm. key themes and lessons that come up? How do people perceive you is through that Libra rising? You know, what gets you out of bed? What's your aura? What's also look at the opposite of that, of what you need in a relationship to balance you. Mm -hmm. The opposite of Libra is Aries. And so we look at that. And then when you have your ruling planet, then you know, like you want to get to, you're on a lifetime assignment mm-hmm. to get to know that planet. So Venus, worthiness, and then Libra is literally like beauty, making the world beautiful, whether that's through ritual, flowers, makeup, elegance, 
beautiful art or whether that's mm-hmm. making the world beautiful as in like a more equitable place for all like those wow. scales so I love it so I'm like honey you are living your divine assignment that's why I, I like that, that that's what it <laughs> sounds like <laughs> you are I love because like I don't have I admired you you know I wanted to talk to you but I didn't have your chart info obviously first because I'd be creepy if I did but I but then when I looked it up I was like yep she is living her divine assignment so <laughs> you know getting to know that and your Leo back to that why it's so powerful and that like perseverance we talked about before and that tenacity is that's fixed energy. So mm-hmm. Leo is a fixed fire sign, meaning once you set your sights on something, that's how it is. Like it's just in your sights and that fire is going to make you go after it. But with all that Leo in your chart, you probably felt this way. You really can't do something if your heart's not in it. You really can't fake it. Jobs, yes, relationships. very, very true. <laughs> <laughs> Like some people really can, they can just sit in a long conversation, not along or be in a relationship that's kind of like tepid and but comfortable, but your Leo is always going to want to push you to live like really from the heart and say things from the heart, do things from the heart and create. And like I said, why I love that what you do, whether it's like the red lipstick and the blowout and owning yourself and your beauty or, you know, producing, co-producing documentaries or creating nonprofit organizations is there's a really warm leadership to you. It's an approachable leadership. Like Capricorns are definitely leaders in the chart, but they lead a little bit more from like corner office. I'm, I'm guiding you through this process. You know, like here's a spreadsheet. Mm-hmm. I'm going to guide right, you through it. Right. Whereas you're Leo, you get to make it fun for people. It's that inner child energy, make it creative, have it come from the most authentic self. And you give permission for other people to do that Mm -hmm. and to play and express and emote. And it's like a follow me leadership, but like, come on, we're going to have fun. And like, you can lead for a while too. I don't care. Like, it's like, it's a very (laughs) nice model for what I think like also like modern day leadership where we should be moving towards. We do want to look out for like all of those Leo planets that can make us a little like fixed in our ways because Mm -hmm. like there's a boss energy. It's like my way a little bit sometimes. Yeah, I I definitely could see that. I can be very indecisive because I'm a like a huge perfectionist. So it's like whenever I I ruminate a lot when it comes to like making a decision, whether it's like a life-changing decision, you know, or it's like I have to get gather all the evidence and like, (laughs) because I'm stuck in my ways, you know, so I'm like, no, but this has always been the way that things have been. So I must stay in this way. But then, you know, it's hard to evolve. Thankfully, I've been able to break past that a little bit, but it's taken what I'm turning 29 this year, like almost 30 years. (laughs) It takes 30 years to learn all the good stuff. And then, <laughs> and then it's like a lot of one big earth school up until then. Um, we'll get into that in a moment, actually. But I think a part of that too could be your Mars sign. Mm-hmm. So your Mars is in Gemini. So our Mars, if Venus is how we receive things and our worthiness. Okay. And it's, I would say Venus is like a flower. We need to like open up to feel safe in the world, to feel like we're, we're valued, our own values. It's like mm-hmm. a lot of alignment in that way. Whereas Mars is how we go after things. Mm-hmm. It's like that more assertive energy. It's like the drive and it's a very, it's life force, even a little erotic sometimes, like mm-hmm. going after that, I desire that. And <laughs> Mars is in Gemini and Mars in Gemini, first of all, the thinking and words and your ability to play with words and write and mm-hmm. communicate and mm-hmm. just have like your mind lit up with all the options of things when you're about mm-hmm. to do something. That's very Mars in Gemini. And Mars in Gemini too, I think, it's about being very alert, witty, energetic, very curious. It's like one of your superpowers is actually mm-hmm. 
being curious, asking questions. And you yeah. mentioned that before in part of your storytelling of the beginning of your journey. You said, I was just really curious. I'm very curious and I do ask a ton of questions. And this is why I became a journalist. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. And like Mars is how you go after things. So it makes sense of like that's what's like the fuel in the tank to get all this done. Like, why is this happening? What's going on? How can I communicate mm-hmm. this? How can I tell this story? Why? Why? Like Gemini is, I always say like the mantra with any Gemini placement is like asking questions. So it's like, who says or says who? Like, why is it like that? Who said that? Why does that have to be that way? Can it change? Mm-hmm. Why? What? Like, there's a constant mercurial, like shifting and questioning of energy. And but that's also whenever we have Gemini in our chart is where we can be a little indecisive because it represents like, well, both sides have an equal point. We're like, we could do it two ways. It always splits into two. So anyone who has Mars and Gemini, I actually say that they should definitely have someone they trust to talk things out with. Oh, thank goodness. <laughs> that's literally how you process things. Like some people process things through their bodies, some people process things through alone time. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, Mars and Gemini, you process things through the other and through speaking and bouncing mm-hmm. things off. Does that make sense to you? Yes, that makes a lot of sense. <sighs> Sorry, I'm just like also looking at my, not my chart, but just like all the planets that all are in planets. my, yeah, so that I could like understand what you're understand saying. Understand the yeah. visual. Yes, um, exactly. So a few other things that I, well, the thing that really stood out to me is that you just entered your Saturn return. Ooh, yes. So I yes, I've heard about this. About <laughs> Let's talk about it. I have heard about this. So, you know, Saturn return is what we go through. Saturn goes through cycles that are like 27 to 29 years, depending on our age. It returns back to the sign it was in when we were born. So a return in astrology is just going back to that same spot. Your birthday mm-hmm. is your solar return because the sun returns back to Leo in the exact mm-hmm. spot when you were born. Saturn return, it's basically like an emotional adulthood, a coming of age moment. Mm-hmm. And it's like a rite of passage. And it's usually like Saturn is the taskmaster of the Zodiac. Like imagine mm-hmm. him, he's like a drill sergeant or like a personal trainer in the corner. Like, I'm going to make sure you live up to your potential, but I'm not going to like, you know, this is tough love time. And usually Saturn return is where we shift from doing things, how our family did it, how our friends did it, how society told us to do it. And like, we take the wheel of our own life in the driver's seat, but sometimes it's like, oh, what? Like I was in pain. Like, I don't know where I'm going or like you have to take really accountability for your life. If you've done emotional work before this, Mm -hmm. which sounds like you have. And usually actually the year before your Saturn return can be a lot of changes, upheaval, friends can sometimes like fade away or Mm -hmm. big, big transformation things happen. And it's kind of getting you ready for like the you that you're meant to be and living that that. fully. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's, some people get really stressed out by it. It's like anything in life. It's like a marathon. If you're prepping for the marathon, it's going to feel good. Like it's going to, you're going to sweat, you're going to be sore, but you're going to have a, mm-hmm. accomplished on the other side. If you're just taking any sort of like self-awareness work, self-inquiry work, self-accountability work leading up to your Saturn return, mm-hmm. it's a process. And there's definitely things that are outside of your control. Like, ooh, like anything that's inauthentic or not meant for you will just kind of like fall away. But the mm-hmm. things that are real and the things like who you are, what you're here to do, will be like so solidified and you get to understand yourself and your your place in the world so clearly. I always say like the best way to prep for Saturn return is doing what you're doing, like spending time with yourself, journaling, go to therapy, yeah. figure out like, why do I do the things I do? Why do I want the things I want? Or do yeah. I want this? Or did someone tell oh, me? Oh man, that's this? been like the story of my life the last year. Too much reflection. I have nothing else to do. <laughs> so I'm just like, I'm just like, oh, I'm like so many like existential moments. But yeah, that that aligns with what 
you're describing for sure. And funny you use the a marathon. What's it called again? Metaphor. A marathon metaphor because I I ran the New York City Marathon once. It's the oh. thing that I'm like one of the things I'm most proud of, of course, because I'm like just obnoxious and have to do the hardest things. <laughs> All that Leo fire has to go somewhere. <laughs> it was very transformative for me, but yeah, just it's just funny. Uh, okay, good. So two, I'm going to look up the date just so I know when it's done. But so first of all, I really feel for all of you and your fellow Saturn returners right now, mm-hmm. because you are happy to go through a Saturn return as like we're collectively going through a Saturn return. Like right, right. we're oh all being asked these questions. So, so much, but your Saturn is in Aquarius, which is your taskmaster, your part of your chart. That's also your like mm-hmm. how you grow Saturn in your chart too has a lot to do with your work in the world. Like what yes. you do for work mm-hmm. is in Aquarius, which is the sign of it's a sign of the times right now. It's all about revolution, evolution, humanitarianism, activism, thinking more about the community, like thinking mm-hmm. about the we versus the me. Um, oh my gosh. Progress. So you like- This is so wild. Your- You're like literally reading my diary. It's so crazy. <laughs> I mean, I know it's written in the stars, but you know, but 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 it's like, I remember at the, the tail end of 2020, I literally did write. I was like, I want next year, you know, I'm turning 29 next year in 2021. And I want that year to be all about like removing ego, you know, and wanting to think more collectively of, of like, you know, collective success or collective greatness, as opposed to like comparison and and all those things that I had been so attached to up until that point. So it's, it's been very conscious effort for sure. Mm, that's really beautiful, especially because your Saturn in Aquarius is directly opposite your Leo. Aquarius and Leo are opposite signs. So mm-hmm. Leo is all about the me. And what I love about astrology is it teaches us it's all valid. It's all important. It's just about yeah. balancing the two, right? Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. we're not meant to be selfless and just a group blending into a mob of faces, faceless faces, but we're yeah. also not meant to be just in our own world, in our own bubble. Like, look at me, who cares about Completely. what's going on around me? So I feel like for you, you're Saturn is really going to play off of all that Leo energy too. Like, how do I use that Leo energy to do more for the collective? Which is mm-hmm. like, you know, we were talking about your Instagram video and but everything you do. I mean, the whole thing you did for the frontline workers, like you've already been doing this, you're in the right direction. But I think Saturn Aquarius is going to hone that in you and refine that and probably even give you more opportunities mm-hmm. to step into that. And that's going to go through March, 2023. But it's like a... It doesn't like maintain the same intensity through the whole the whole time. Mm-hmm, but just for mm-hmm. these next few years, I always say like being really curious, which is like finding some of your superpowers. I always tell people like just be curious and ask like what do I want to get out of my Saturn return? Because I think so many of us look at it as it's like punishment time or oh my God, <laughs> so scary. But it's like you're going through an initiation. Like you know what do you want on the other side of it? How do you want to take more control of your life? How do you want to have more of that like owning of yourself fully? Like no yeah. blind spots. Yeah. So, and especially the Aquarius, it's so supported right now because we like need it as a society. So I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, we return, babies, we need you. Like I'm old as your elder. I'm just saying like your turn, <laughs> like we just need you. The oh my gosh. In that, like on the other side of this. So you're, mm-hmm. you're very supported in that. And it's actually going through your house, the part of your chart. So there's like the sign, the planet, when you look at your chart, mm-hmm. it's like the sun and Leo your Mars and Gemini, and then it's in a house, which just represents the how how it expresses. It's the area of your life that it affects. Mm-hmm. Because the sun 
and the zodiac are more of like how it affects you personally, how it manifests in you as like a personality or part of your psyche or part of your consciousness. Mm-hmm. And then the house is like the setting. It's like a play. That's like where the setting is, that part of the mm-hmm. play. And the mm-hmm. planet and the zodiac sign are like the actor, actress. So mm-hmm. the how for you is it's going through your fourth house of home. So I would imagine over this during the Saturn return, you might either move or redefine what home means to you or kind of what you were saying before. It's also so home. Crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, again, you're like digging into my like psyche right now. <laughs> Because yeah, I'm. <laughs> I have been, you know, talking with my fiance about the idea of home and like where we would want to put our roots. And at the end of this year, he's he's from Sydney, so we we were, mm. and he hasn't been able to visit in so long, and it's literally across the globe. So mm. we had been thinking about like moving to Sydney for like a mm. few months and then traveling the world, you know, as long as it's safe and all those things. It's been very transient idea of home, and that is very, it seems. <laughs> very clear <laughs> in my chart. <laughs> chills. Yeah. I love it. Like, did you get my diary before? No, I, um, I know. This is like, it? are you like scheming with my fiance? Is he like actually like in he's your texting ear right now? Me. Yeah, he's, he's texting me under like mention something about home right now. Yeah. So that's going to be a big concept for you. And again, being curious, being open. I always feel like your Saturn return this is a kind of a weird analogy, but it's like when they say you get like in a car accident, like being flexible actually helps your body, like just move with the impact. Mm-hmm. Like I think people have trouble during their Saturn return because they resist it too much or they're in their mm-hmm. ego or there's too much fear around it. Ooh, okay. So it's just like, it's just like, okay, shake it off. Okay. Be like, flexible. Be flexible. Be curious. Like everything is observing and everything is like learning about yourself. Nothing's permanent. And if say that you move, don't like it, you can always move back. Say it's just this thing of like, I'm gonna be curious about myself and how I interact with the world and like how I identify certain things that are really important and meaningful to me. And like, who am I? What ground do I stand on? Mm-hmm. And like, these are the things like you're in a self deep, like a PhD in earth school for the next three years. Like, I'm really like, you did 30 years of like undergrad and now you're like, okay, <laughs> like. I'm deep in it right now, but my job is just to study myself and, and be open. Mm-hmm. So, okay, good. I'm happy that resonates. And the last thing I wanted to say about your chart, unless you have any questions, but a big, big, big thing is your North node. So if you just like want to go deeper on your own on astrology, there's so many parts of your chart to go into, but I always tell people study your North node. It's your destiny line. It's your huge life path. Like all the stuff I mentioned is like your individual, like who you are, what motivates you, mm-hmm. but your North node is like your karmic destiny, what you came here to fulfill, what you came here to do. And it's like in every area of your life, you can learn a lot by embodying this archetype, learning more about it. And of course it has a South node of like something you're leaving behind, mm-hmm. kind of like something maybe you did in a past life, if you believe in that, or like skills you have kind of like I did that. I graduated from that school. I'm here to learn the the different way of doing it now. So your North Node is in Capricorn, which is Mm -hmm. all about business and leadership. Like I said, so you have a lot of leadership energy in your chart between (laughs) Leo, Stellium and Capricorn. And it's in your third house of communicating, speaking, writing, talking, and so for, you know, looking at this, if I didn't know you, I'd be like, well, you should definitely be in a business of writing and speaking, but even taking it like one step further than that, it's like, you're probably meant to create something really big that lasts beyond you. Like Capricorn, mm-hmm. Capricorn, like I'm a Virgo, Virgos start businesses, Capricorns build like empires. Like, 
<laughs> and no shade. I love, I'm a Virgo. I love, we work hard. We do a lot of things, but Capricorn builds like a corporation that lives on like for seven generations, you know, like a generational wealth kind of a concept. Like, oh, I'm mm-hmm. building something that a lot of generations are going to use and benefit off of. Yeah. And that's all in the realm of like speaking, writing, communicating, community building, like local community building part of your chart. And Capricorn too, it's a little bit more, we identify with like the sacred masculine. It's a little bit more like, yeah, I'm building something. It's direct. I'm calling the shots. I'm stepping into that. It's a a rule of like, I'm going up the mountain. That's what Capricorn does, the seagull. And the opposite sign of that is cancer. So that is something like you already know a lot about cancer energy. I don't think I have, I don't have any cancer in my chart, do I, right? No. (laughs) So that's something you must have learned. You must have totally aced that in a past life. They're like, she gets it. She's a cancer. Usually cancer is a sign of like motherhood, family, children. So it's like, maybe you were like a stay-at-home mom, or maybe you were like a bunch of women, like just, you know, hanging out with each other internally, taking care of the community. And in this lifetime, you're like, have all of that. You have your community, you have your connection to women. I would sense of that, a deep connection to the women in your family inherently. Mm -hmm. And now- they're all like, have your back. And they're like, go, like go in the mm-hmm. world, and like build something of impact. And it's going to like change a lot of people, like take it outside of the, the family walls now. So that Capricorn energy, the more you study it, the more you want to work with it, and the more you embody it, it'll be like aligning you to like your highest path. Yes, this is all very much things that I have been thinking about a lot lately, uh, for sure, as as I like contemplate, you know, future career moves or what I want to do within this year and the next couple of years. I've been thinking a lot about that just because I feel like I've I've done this like chapter of my career and like I want to know what I want to evolve into. So I've definitely been thinking a lot about personal branding, writing a book, like, Mm -hmm. you know, doing all like Mm -hmm. building a community, like even more so and what to do with that community. So I've, I've definitely been very, very like this has been top of mind for me. So no surprises here. I'm like textbook. It's so crazy. (laughs) We all are, we all are, but I love it. Like, I'm happy, especially I find the Saturn return time is a good time to start studying your astrology because sometimes in your early 20s, you're like, I don't know if I resonate with my chart. I'm like, because you haven't like lived it enough. I mean, you yeah. can, don't get me wrong, but like there's something about experience, learning yourself, becoming aware. And then all of a sudden you start like in your late 20s, like really syncing up to your birth chart. You're like, I am just, yep, this is like my user manual, like word for word, pound for pound. Mm-hmm. Do you have any other questions about your chart or something like, you know, coming up that you would like some like forecasting guidance on or? Yeah, I would love some guidance on the idea of like me leaving, I guess, like the traditional path that I had set for myself in terms of like being in media and like working in a magazine and those kinds of things. Because obviously I love my job. I love what I do, but I'm always thinking about what's next, mm-hmm. you know? So <laughs> so I'm just like, huh, I'd be, I'd be curious to know what, what you're, what you're seeing here. Mm-hmm. Well, it definitely would make sense that sometime in your Saturn return, you're probably going to shift careers you know, mm-hmm. before 2023. So that's no brainer. And then I didn't know how much I could say on this or not, but I was going to say, you are probably going to start your own business. <laughs> or I should say, I always like to leave it open. If you want to, the invitation yeah. is there. Mm-hmm. It's cosmic waves of energy. You can choose to ride it or not, but there's a really big wave coming that would probably really support that. I guess the only other question I would ask is, this could probably be a whole podcast on itself, but like, what does it mean that I am, like my fiance is also a Leo. So he's, our birthdays are two days apart. His son is in Leo. 
Ooh, I can't come up with like what his moon and his rising are, but we are very different Leos. <laughs> oh my God. I would love to look at his chart. We'll have to do yeah. a follow up. I'll have to, I'll have to mail yeah. you or something. Yeah. About it's it. so, I mean, that's what for me, like understanding the other parts of the chart. Cause I was like, that Virgo is not like me, Virgo. Like what? And I'm like, yeah, I'm like a spiritual woo woo out there, Virgo. Like I'm not like my, so my friends are up all night studying. I'm up all night, like talking to ghosts. So for you and him, the fact that you're both Leos, so again, everything is the invitation, like higher, low consciousness. So together, like, of course, two Leos can be like, well, like I said before, very fixed, very fiery. Like, <laughs> I don't know who would back down first in like a fight after or just like, we both love you because Leos love so hard. It's like, I love do. You so much. <laughs> or like your fights could just be about like who loves each other more or something (laughs) like leo is truly everything's to the heart everything's about love and you know in like two leos definitely who know how to share the spotlight who know how to work and co-create and collaborate together are truly like can be like the king and queen of the jungle like they (laughs) are like co-rulers that they work together and just knowing like when, you know, as Leo always wants to be a little bit of like the leader of the pack of center stage, just knowing like, hey, you know what, this is my partner's day to do that. And Leo's ruled by the eye. So both needing like alone time or or needing time to self-express outside mm-hmm. of just the partnership. It's that like, I'm a me and a we thing, like not yes. one or the other. Very important. So- I think that had definitely been challenged, especially in quarantine, like where we have like spent every single waking hour together for over a year now. And we love each other so much and we love each other so hard, as you said. But it's so funny. We have to remind ourselves that that like space is also necessary, you know? Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> yes. Because like the Leo energy, it it's tricky. Some signs know they want space. Like they just know. They're like, I need my space. Aries. Leo is tricky because Leo thinks they want just like cuddle me all the time. Like PDA, affection, love me, love me. But actually there's a part of Leo that's like, actually I need to go like roar on my own a little bit and like <laughs> go like cruise the jungle and just like do some laps and or go to karaoke and like belt one out on my own. <laughs> that is like, exactly like what I would do. Oh my God. That's Wait, so I don't know if you, did you, did you like find that on my Instagram or something? No, I always say for self-care for Leos, like we have it on my website, my self-care for Leo is like go to karaoke. Oh my God. (laughs) This is wild. I, oh my God. So I literally call myself like a karaoke queen because like I grew up singing karaoke. It's a very big part of Filipino culture. And so, no, I'm so serious. And like, I literally like, no lie. Last week I told my fiance, Michael, I was like, oh my gosh, you know what I miss so much about pre-pandemic life? is like how cathartic it is to just belt out a song at a karaoke bar and have like no judgment or anything and just like sing at the top of my lungs and lose my voice because that that has been missing in my life obviously because I have neighbors and I'm respectful but but I <laughs> and like I am not trying to do that to them but I literally have like a karaoke microphone here and like, oh my god that, yeah no it's it's so funny it's such a part of my personality That's, I love that you're like hey, did you see that on my Instagram like was I, was I, no yeah because I love I had, that like, like karaoke it's so crazy queen. I had a I had like a whole karaoke themed 27th birthday party like in 2019 like where it's like everyone had to dress in early 2000s denim outfits and then it was like a whole house party all karaoke songs and like the whole night was like just karaoke. So that's so funny that you say that. Well, that's affirming for me that I I need to be like, you know, out, out somewhere singing in a bar. 
Well, so, that's what I always say for astrology. Why I love it is it really helps us understand our self-care. I mean, we have self-care, our face masks and taking our supplements totally. and going the walks, but self-care is like, how do I honor like myself, like my stardust and keep it bright and light and free. And I always say for Leo, I'm like, cause it's karaoke. It's the building out of the expression, but Leo also likes to be witnessed in it. Like, you do it at your house. It'd probably be a little bit fun, but there isn't being on a stage and being like, yep. Like, <laughs> cause like there's something in our, in all of our spirits that wants to be witnessed. And Leo teaches us that, like, I want to be creative and express, but I also want an audience and there's nothing wrong with that. It actually feels amazing. And it's, I love that you have that on there. I'm dying. I will say this summer, you should definitely do some karaoke somewhere. You and your fiance are going to have a wild, hot, 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 like July, August. Cause you can't wait for Leo season. It's going to be- have like Venus and Mars are going to be in Leo <laughs> too. It's going to be like the whole world is going to be on like a Leo drug and we're all yes. be like, just <laughs> running around like topless karaoke, like loving life. But I would expect for you just for that to be a really sweet time for you. It's going to be your Venus return too, which is when we feel really magnetic. And sometimes we get like beauty upgrade to our look. And <laughs> it's an it's another upgrade for like your worthiness. Oh man, I look forward to it. Um, yes. Thank you so much for thank this. It's been amazing. Obviously we have gone like so overtime. I know, because I'm sorry. We have... went over. <laughs> no, it's okay. No, I'm sorry. I, I am like pestering you with questions. I think that it's just that so much of what you had said about my chart has resonated with me. It's been incredible to hear it because hearing you say it as someone who doesn't really know me, know me has been so, has been so affirming about what I know about myself especially in this like pivotal moment in my life. So it's crazy. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I always say, I'm I'm not here to surprise you with any like wham, bam, out of left field things. I just want to confirm and validate what you already know. But as a stranger telling you that, you're like, oh yeah, okay. I guess that is true. That is how I am. That is what I'm feeling. So thank you so much, Christina, for taking this time and for sharing yourself you know, everything, your story at the podcast, but for just for sharing your Leo light, your Leo spotlight energy Thank with you the world. So much. Thank you so much. This was the most fun podcast I've ever done. <laughs> oh, okay, good. Okay. Oh, also, I almost forgot that. Where do you want people to find you? I have asked that. Sure. Yeah, of course. Of course. So everyone, everyone can find me on all platforms at, at Christina Rodolfo, K-R-I-S-T-I-N-A. R-O-D-U-L-F-O. I'm most active on Instagram. um, And that's like where you can slide in my DMs. And I love chatting with people as expected. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Mars and Gemini, Leo Stellion would have it no other way. But thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This was such a treat. Do you love getting your Cosmic RX for the week here and want more? Make sure to sign up for our premium subscription so you can get exclusive access to bonus podcast episodes, all of my astrology info for the month ahead, and live new and full moon calls to help you manifest your dream life with an intentional international community of other cosmic baddies. Sign up through our link in show notes. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you want to know more about Cosmic RX, head on over to thecosmicrx.com. And if you really love this show, I'd love it if you left a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. I super love hearing from you and reading your reviews. All right, you cosmic baddie, tune in next week. And until then, remember, love yourself fully, work your magic, and take no shit.